Thanks for listening to the Woodward Podcast Network. Check out more shows by searching for us on Spreaker or wherever you catch your podcasts. The Woodward Podcast Network with Krupka Dental Associates. Hello, this is Dr. John Krupka from Krupka Dental. We now have the Soleil Laser. You can have your fillings done without needles nor drills. We are a full-service dental office and always accepting new patients. To learn more about me and my friendly team, visit KrupkaDental.com. Attention, please. And now... It's Cutter's Rock Rock Cat. So uh, joining us this week is a guy who, uh, since I can't interview anybody in the band Metallica because they're Metallica, Mm -hmm. and they go, "Eh, unless it's Howard Stern, we don't care. So I figured, why not have somebody on the Rockcast and on the Countdown who not only has uh, been on the Howard Stern show, but also is open for Metallica. That's right. Our good friend Craig Gass, returning after years uh, it's been since I've seen you, my friend. Many, many years. And I do impressions of all four members of Metallica. <laughs> do you do all four? Yeah. Because I've heard you're Lars Ulrich. Yep. Lars Ulrich is, uh, hey, man, of course, all you have to do is sometimes you just have to pause and sniff a lot. Huh? <laughs> huh? And then uh, uh, my James Hetfield um, sounds more like Al Pacino. Um <clears throat> Wherever I may roam, hua, and then See, uh, yeah, that's totally Al Pacino. Somebody actually told me how to do a Kirk Hammett. Uh, you just uh, put your hair behind your ears and go, "Yeah, man." <laughs> that's the whole impression. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> and uh, uh, now, if you can do all three bass players from over the years, then now oh, we're yeah. talking. Now oh, we're yeah. talking. All right, here's my uh, Cliff Burton. Okay. Right. Oh, oh. Oh, sounds, sounds more like Sam Kinison. Sounds more like Sam Kinison. Sounds more like yeah. Sam Kinison. Uh, here's my uh, Jason Newstead. Hi. <laughs> I've got strange eyes. See, that sounds like more like uh, Christopher Walken, Walken, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's and, weird. I didn't uh, know how close they sounded. Yeah. Um, and uh, here's okay. my spot on uh, Robert Trujillo. Hey, what's up? I'm the new guy. <laughs> See, now that impression sounds more like it Tracy, sounds like Tracy Morgan. Morgan. Yeah, so. I didn't know. Uh, you know what? I got to read. I didn't know he was. Que- I didn't know he was from Queens. Here's the thing: is <laughs> I uh, when I can't do an impression, I'll just repurpose my old impressions and just throw them around. <laughs> yeah, sure. And just like yeah, like that it. sounds more like it. But man, Metallica. I mean, <laughs> so okay. Let's let dude. Let's go back to the beginning because Craig Gas and uh, obviously a stand-up comic. Um, can see them all over the country at any point, really. It feels like you're always touring, just yes. like rock bands tend to do. Mm-hmm. But you're so indebted into the music industry, and you have music stories upon music stories upon yes. music stories, including, like I said at the beginning, opening up for Metallica once. So let's. how did you, first of all, get going uh, into this, doing impressions, and then getting into the, the music side of comedy? I have uh, always wanted to be in the music business and couldn't get into it. I used to book you know, it. Somebody said to me once, every comedian wanted to be a musician, and every musician wanted to be a comedian. Oh, there's a mutual respect there for sure. Yeah. Um, comedians and musicians get along really, really well because um, musicians, and I hear this time and time again from musicians, they respect and admire that a comedian just walks up on stage alone with a microphone. That blows it's, their mind. It's crazy. And then uh, c- comedians wish that we were cool. 
<laughs> so, so there's like that mutual like, oh man, you're so cool. I want to, I just want to be cool, man. You know? So yeah. it's, uh, there's a, always been a, a built-in mutual admiration society there. But yeah, I, I've, I'm known as a guy who does voices. I've always been able to do any uh, voice that I hear because of how I grew up. Everyone in my family is deaf. My mom, my dad, my sister are all completely deaf. Um, growing up in a deaf family, I couldn't learn how to talk. I, oh, God, I suppose. Uh, from my fam- I learned how to talk by watching TV and copying all the voices I heard on TV. And um, uh, by the way, there's always like a sensitivity when I start to describe that my family is deaf. Um, which is funny to me because, and this is the truth, the most insensitive and the most fucked up deaf jokes I've ever heard in my life mm. were from my own deaf family. Like my sister, I remember years ago, we uh, I threw a surprise birthday party for my sister. And yes, you can argue that everything for deaf people is a surprise. But I threw a surprise birthday party for my sister. Afterwards, at dinner, we're sitting... Uh, she's my sister's sitting across the table from me and my sister who is deaf is signing to me and she waves at me and goes do you want to hear a good joke and i said <laughs> sure and then she said me too and i was like oh, oh my god what the f- that's dark Jeez. yeah yeah but uh so yeah there was no i so at least there's there's a, there's a sense of humor within oh my the god not only is there a sense of humor you learn that humor heals like humor like being able to laugh is funny you know that that really heals the everything so i learned that um it was okay to laugh at everything but uh so i, I wish more people thought like that yeah well <laughs> i i feel really lucky about it you know that uh, cuz you realize there's nothing has any power over you like no, nothing nothing can hurt you uh, unless you allow it to like you know being offended by something is like words don't have any any ability to hurt you unless you allow them to you know mm-hmm. so um and there were kids who when i was growing up would make really insensitive jokes no oh, of course and they would be really ignorant and i just early on just realized well you're stupid you know i, I just it didn't hurt me i just realized the ignorance of some of the jokes but I don't mind if anybody makes any uh, jokes about my... I mean, every roast I've ever done, the first thing uh, someone says when they go, and Craig Gas is here. I don't know how many of you know that Craig's whole family is deaf. And I'm like, holy shit, here we go. <laughs> like, I'll just... Like, Mentally start preparing yourself I, right now. I start doing the, ah, ha, ha, this doesn't hurt me at all. Like, I just start... And it and sucks, man. Turn around and start crying. Yeah. <laughs> There's been people who've been known to, dude, you wouldn't believe the people who are the harshest at roast have been known to be the most thin skinned. Like, did you mean that? Like, yeah, um, dude. And there's been, I've done rock roast. Yeah. Where I've roasted my favorite people in the world. I've probably seen anthrax over, no joke, over 20 plus times. Yeah. And they always hook me up. That's that, awesome. Like the anthrax I, rules, man. I owe I that. Them. I owe that band a car. Like I need to buy them a car because like <laughs> I've gone to so many shows for anthrax. So it really hurt me when we did roast of D. Snyder and Scott uh-huh. Ian is on the day. I think Scott was also at the roast of Corey Taylor that I did. And I, Scott Ian. Scott if Ian. there's a TV camera. He'll be there. Yeah, true. <laughs> well, Scott, I felt bad uh, to look at him and go, Scott Ian. 
Anthrax. What a great name for a band that makes everybody sick. <laughs> if someone comes to your house and says, hey, I brought some anthrax with me, you hope they're talking about the disease. Like, I, I feel bad because he's looking at me like, dude, you've been to my, you're begging me to get into shows all the time. Like, I know. Just trying to roast you. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's fun. I mean, Jamie, was he really upset about that? No, he wasn't. Okay. He wasn't. Jamie Josta, who I adore. Oh, dude, Jamie Josta's been on the show a couple times. He's awesome. Yeah. Jamie Josta, the singer of Hate Breed. I felt really bad that one of my best jokes was about him. I said, uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I've done some research on Hate Breed. You know, a lot of people think that uh, uh, they get mistaken. Hate Breed is mistaken for uh, there are people who think they're a white supremacist man. Um, I've listened to Hatebreed, and uh, not only are they not a white supremacist band, they're not even a music supremacist band. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I felt bad. It was just the joke was so easy. Right. I felt so bad for doing it. Well, but, you're talking about roasting. You know? Yeah, man. You're roasting. And, and dude, that's what at, you're supposed to do. At that roast of Corey Taylor, Corey Taylor. Showed up in the goofiest looking suit. He got like a uh, like a. Was that the one where he's wearing like that purple velvet or red velvet? Blue. Su- blue it was a blue it was, velvet, yeah. and he came out like bringing. He was so. In fact, when it ended, he was like, "Dude, I want to do that again." In fact, there's a crazy thing that happened. For some reason, at every roast, the centerpiece of the roast, the whole reason why we're here, yeah, is not the guy who usually gets the most hits. There's always somebody gets put on the dais that. Everyone just backslapped, like just yeah. just gets sideswiped all the time. At the roast of Gene Simmons, it was Danny Bonaducci. Danny Bonaducci got murdered. Oh, at the well, roast. Danny Bonaducci is sitting on stage at a roast yeah. for one of the most legendary figures in it's not just music, his history. Yeah. yeah, there were some good jokes that people would tie in. Like I think Lisa Lampanelli was the one who said. Uh, uh, Danny Bonaducci is the only person on this stage that was in a real band. <laughs> like, and uh, but at the roast of uh, Corey Taylor, our roast master was Sebastian Bach. Wait, and Sebastian Bach was the roast master for that? I didn't remember master. that. Yeah, okay. yeah, this was this never was televised. I have audio oh. of it because it ran on satellite radio, so I have the audio of it. And uh, Sebastian. Um, I remember we're all on stage. It was me, uh, Corey, Jim Florentine, Brian Posehn, Scott Ian, and we're all talking. And I said, uh, I go, um, uh, I got to be honest with you, Corey. Uh, I'm I'm not going to go that hard on you tonight. I'm like my, my worst jokes are about Sebastian. And Corey goes, dude, I have brutal jokes about it. And everyone's like, my worst jokes. All of us were like, dude, my worst. Only because Sebastian, handsome, uh, rock star, loud, opinionated. Yeah. Like, uh-huh. he's just a great target. He's a great target because he's put so much of himself out there. And Sebastian got so mad during the roast that something that um, – uh, Don Jameson said, upset Sebastian so much that he took a hot coffee and threw it across the stage at Don Jameson. Really? Yeah. I remember as Sebastian was sitting right in front of me, and as the roast was going on, when when people get to you and they go, hey, Cutter's here. You know, Cutter, interestingly, and they'll say a couple things about you, and then they'll yeah. punch you. A couple more things, and they punch you. A couple more, yeah. it, it's a roast. And you just know to kind of like, ah, like <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> kind of like laughing up, ah, yeah, even if it hurts. But Sebastian, every time would like his name would come up and he'd like start listening and then he'd go, 
oh, like I haven't heard that before. Like he started reacting to every joke. It's like, God, you sounded just like him when you said that too. It's okay. Dude, at the roast of D. Snyder, uh, Lita Ford got, like I could see on the other side of the stage, Lita Ford looked physically uncomfortable during the roast. Uh And, um, And I kept thinking like, man, she doesn't look like she wants to be here. And I found out afterwards that in the middle of the roast, she looked at Scott Ian and said, I'm gonna leave. I'm just gonna leave. And he goes, no, no, you can't. You gotta... You know, when it's your turn, everyone's rooting for you because because she was the female, mm-hmm. it became oh you're the you're the slut, you're the you're the you know that's that's the joke. It's like you need if there's a minority on stage, yeah, it's easy, but it works. The, right, sure. it works. Yeah. Um, uh, someone has to be a has been. Somebody has to be the slut. Somebody has to be like you. Just there's like categories where like right. this person gets tagged uh, for the next hour for being this cartoon character. This person over here is that cartoon character, and it makes them a bigger, juicier target. So, uh, and you can see this on YouTube. I get up to the mic and I go, uh, "Hey, everybody!" And uh, this is at the roast of D. Schneider. Re- D. Schneider, yeah, yeah. And just so when I'm searching on YouTube later, I know. Oh, dude, <laughs> it's it's one of my it's it's my proudest roast because. Uh, um, I mean, there were so many, um, Penn Gillette was, uh, the roast master from, um, yeah, from Penn and Teller, Penn and Teller and, uh, Penn go, you know, joke, 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 please welcome Craig Gass. And I walked up and I said, thank you. Um, and thank you meatloaf, um, for that introduction. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and I started going and I said, uh, first off, and I, and I only did this because I could tell that there was some weirdness going on Uh i said let's be honest lita ford is still hot she is still a hot you know everyone's like yeah and then lita like gives this acknowledgement like thank you and i go and lita such a badass you always talk about guys having sex and stuff lita can i curse on this yeah of course lita fucked every great rock star in the 80s Oh, Lita fucked all the biggest names in rock and roll in the 80s. Everyone goes, yeah. And Lita goes, thank you. And I go, you would have thought one of them would have helped you with your career. And you just, oh, and you can it, see it her is, reaction yeah. on camera. She goes, mother <laughs> Like she was like, yeah. Oh, oh. Yeah, it's, it was brutal. And that's what those, that's what those are. are. And they're great. You know, how, uh, you mentioned the Corey Taylor one. You know, how Corey Taylor, you know, famous, uh, famous picture of Corey Taylor wearing the shirt that says "Stop making stupid people famous." Yes, and of course, he wrote a book about a lot of that and, yep. and all that. He's he's amazing, and he's been on this show a million times. Uh, Corey Taylor. Every time I see that, see, I'm offended because Corey Taylor made me famous. How? And I'm like, how'd you make this stupid guy famous? How do you make? So you here's famous? what happened. Do you remember a couple years ago the uh, the the Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tift that was happening between Slipknot and Machine Gun Kelly. I, yeah, I was in the middle of all of it. Well, I mean, okay. I wasn't like in the, but I was hearing like I, I live in Vegas and um, Corey and I mm-hmm. uh, were, uh, were together all the time. Right. So the comment he made about Machine Gun Kelly that started that happened on this podcast. No shit. Yeah. Now, oh, at wow. the time, and this is my former co-host, Katie, uh, who doesn't isn't able to do this with me anymore. This was her last uh, appearance on this podcast and on the Cutting Edge Countdown and all this stuff. And we ran a radio station together. And uh, she had this goal of one person she wants to interview. She never had the opportunity to. It was Corey Taylor. Oh, no. Now, she had been backstage at Corey Taylor interviews before uh, with me, uh, with other people, but never actually got to run the interview, wow. you know? So I said, hey, I'm, uh, he was talking about his solo album. Just, just had put out the first single from CMFT, uh, his solo album. I'm like, hey, I'm going to have Corey Taylor on. Uh, we're going to talk about the new solo album, and it's Corey, so there'll be a million stories about whatever happens to happen. And plus, uh, Katie had met his uh, current wife a couple of times as well. So, like, yeah, so come on, and uh, I'll let you kind of take lead. And uh, so she comes on, takes lead, and we're just we're just having a great conversation because it's Corey fucking Taylor, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we always have great conversations with Corey Taylor. And he makes this comment kind of out of nowhere because we're talking about how there's so much... 80s rock inspiration on the solo album. Yeah. But then also here's a rap verse. Right. So we're talking about this sort of mixing of genres and melding of genres. Oh. And he brings up like, yeah, it's cool, you know, unless uh, you're coming from a different world and you come into our genre expecting to pretend to rule it. You know who I'm talking about. <laughs> now I'm paraphrasing, obviously. Um, he There was a little bit more details than that. He never said Machine Gun Kelly's name. Right. Never said it. You can go back on this feed and find the conversation if yep. you want. Rock cast number, whatever it is. Okay. And he never says his name. All of a sudden, and I, I'm not thinking about this at all. These are the kinds of conversations we have all the time. All of a sudden, I'm starting getting tagged in all these stories. And I'm like, well, yeah, it's Corey Taylor was on, so it's going to be on Blabbermouth right. and Loudwire and, and everything else. Right. And there's a, there's a YouTube video from some guy who does music news, two, three-minute music news clips every day, and uh, completely takes it out of context and then says it's about Machine Gun Kelly. Wow. So I start commenting. Never read the comments. I read the comments. Uh, yeah, so I, I start, got that advice a long time ago. Yeah, exactly. So but you I, still can't resist it. If no. people are talking about you online, you can mm-hmm. actually eavesdrop on conversations. Sometimes that can be exciting and thrilling. And then when you see it go bad, you're like, hey. hey you that's know. not what I see. Yeah. You yeah. know me. By the way, I know a lot of, well, not a lot, but I, I do know people who are very, very successful, very, very famous who will say to me while I'm with them, like, hey, can I show you this asshole? Look at this. Look at, <laughs> look at this message board. And I'll be like, dude, we're in a billion-dollar house right now. Yeah, why you do you like, care? What do you care about? Like, but look at this asshole. Like, look at what he's saying. And I'm like, dude, fuck that guy. Like, Well, it's it's interesting. So this this story happens, right? And, uh, okay, it explodes for a little bit, and then it goes away, as stories do. Yeah. Um, so I didn't think about it again. Six months later, Riot Fest in Chicago is happening. Slipknot's on one stage. Machine Gun Kelly's on another stage. Machine Gun Kelly brings up that conversation on stage in Chicago. No shit. Which is in my back fucking yard. Yeah. You know, pretty, I go to Chicago all the time for shows. Go to Riot Fest a million times. Didn't go to that one, though. And uh, it's Slipknot's on stage at the same time. 
So now it becomes this huge story because now Machine Gun Kelly's brought it up. Wow. You know, it's one thing with Corey Taylor. Corey Taylor's one of the most wonderful, genuine human beings on the planet. Agreed. Uh, 100%. Can totally talk some shit, though. And can make jokes well, out of it. Well, and you know, it's funny. He, I've never heard anybody slam that case shut so hard mm-hmm. in an argument because Machine Gun Kelly- Because uh, he's a smart person. Machine Gun Kelly says something to the effect of like, oh man, fuck that band. Yeah. Um, I would never want to be associated with something like that. And then Corey says, uh, yeah, well, funny you should say that because you asked me to do a track with you. Right. Machine Gun Kelly says, I would never do that. And then Corey releases the Releases the emails. Of the texts. Or, or text. emails. Email. Text yeah, or whatever emails. it was. And says, uh, he goes, this is the last thing I'm going to say about this. Here's the evidence. And I was yep. like, ah, oh, that was it was good. It was fantastic. And Corey handled it well. But- the point is, all of a sudden, it's in fucking Rolling Stone magazine and all this stuff, right? right? And, now, and my name's being mentioned with all of it because it happened originally on my podcast when we're just having an innocent conversation. Wow. So Corey Taylor made me famous. That's my, that's, wow. my, uh, that's my lot in life. Yeah, Corey... Uh, uh, he probably doesn't even remember my name. So <laughs> the first time I met Corey um, was a prank phone call. A friend of mine who lives down in Milwaukee... Mm-hmm. Uh, who's a security guy. Now he does security with the Rolling Stones. That's how I ended up with all this Rolling Stones stuff. He was doing security. A bad gig. Uh, yeah, I've known this guy for over uh, probably 15 years at this point. He calls me up. He goes, dude, what are you doing? And I said, ah, I don't know where I was. And he said, uh, hey, man, I got a favor to ask you. I'm on tour with this band Stone Sour. Uh, the singer is uh, Corey Taylor. Do you know Corey? And I said, I know who he is, uh, but I don't know him. And he goes, uh, well, so last night, uh, you know, I don't know if you saw the news yesterday, they finally announced, finally, and this was something that fans were going, why is this not happening? They finally announced KISS is going to be inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which was an injustice when you consider that one of the major qualifying aspects of getting in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is influence. And what, no matter how you feel about KISS, Every band after Kiss, kind of like every band after the Beatles said, I watched the Beatles on Ed Sullivan, and I said, I want to do that. And after Kiss, every band has some story about, like, dude, I wanted to be uh, in Kiss. Like, I wanted to be, ever since, you know, Kiss is the reason I wanted to pick up guitars. I know two guys from uh, System of a Down, the guitar player and bass player, uh, 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 Shavo and Darren, both have these crazy stories about when they were kids, they saw uh, they were going through a magazine and saw pictures of Kiss. They didn't even know what the band sounded like. They were like, oh, I want to do that. They didn't even know what it <laughs> sounded like. They just saw images and were like, ooh, Shavo wanted to be Gene and Darren wanted to be Ace. Yeah. And um, so Kiss finally gets inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And to pay tribute, uh, Corey talked about it on stage and he played a couple Kiss songs yeah. with Stone Sour. And so my buddy says, so we thought it'd be funny if Gene Simmons gave him a hard time about doing Kiss songs. And I was like, oh, this is easy. Yeah, put him on the phone. And Corey now tells me the story. I don't remember this part of it. I just got into character. And my character was just angry. I'm going to be angry at Corey. Mm -hmm. But I don't remember this part. Corey says, do you remember the first words you ever said to me on the phone? And I said, no. He goes, he goes, our mutual friend hands the phone and goes, hey, it's Gene Simmons. And Corey goes, hey, Gene, how you doing? And he said, the first words you ever said to me were, not good. And I, 
<laughs> and Corey goes, oh, what's wrong? And I go, did you play Kiss songs last night on stage? And he goes, yeah. You think you can do that and not? And I kind of paraphrased a really scary collection of words that I heard once from a, a guy who used to work at Rolling Stone magazine. This guy did a put out a very fascinating book about the history of Kiss. And he wrote down every performance that Kiss ever did is in this book. Mm -hmm. Set list, the date of the show, and he interviewed hundreds of people that worked with Kiss to get like, okay, this was the night that they burned the roof of the Tacoma Dome and the show had to stop. Oh, sure. This is the night that Paul Stanley was stuck on a rope over the okay. audience. This is the night that this happened. And he and he has it's a thorough history of every single performance. You could you could call it a history. A history. And uh he said that he was actually he got a phone call from a very angry Gene Simmons once who said, You realize you are in my home now. You're trespassing in my home. I now have to do whatever I need to do to stop you. I have to physically stop you. You realize I have to put you down. And he said, um, are you physically threatening me? And he said, I might be. You're in my home. I have to defend myself now. And by the way, no one's ever going to print this book. And the guy goes, uh, yeah, well, we do have a distribution. He's like, with who? And he said, well, I work for Rolling Stone magazine. And there was a long pause, and Gene goes, you know, I wasn't, just to be clear, I'm not threatening you. I'm not physically. Like, he, start, he starts backing up and says, I, I wasn't, just so you know, I, like, yeah, yeah. which is amazing. So I started paraphrasing that with Corey Taylor yeah. and saying, you know that you're in my home. I have to physically defend my home now. You are trespassing. And he goes, man, I didn't feel it. And Corey is Corey's buying it. He's sweating. And I said to him, like, just to get him off the hook, I said, uh, look, the only way we're going to settle this is if you suck Paul Stanley's dick, click, and I hung on the phone. <laughs> and I just laughed. Like, right. oh, man, I just said the dumbest thing. There's no way he's, he's not going to. He's got to yeah. be laughing right yeah. now. Oh, man, some guy told me I'm going to have to suck Paul Stanley's dick. And I think he's laughing about it. An hour later, my buddy calls me up, and he goes, dude, he's still upset. And I said, about what? And he goes, about Gene. And I go, Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You didn't tell him it was a prank. He goes, no, he still thinks it's real. And I go, I told him to suck Paul Stanley's dick. Like, how bizarre does it need to be? And he goes, you need to call back. And I go, I go, all right. So we call again. And I go, Corey, listen to me. And I started saying absurd shit. Yeah. I was like, I want you to write a check for $14.22. And he's like, well, hey, man, I don't know why you're mad. And I go, no, listen to me. And, I, and I'm and i just so trying. So you're keeping it going. But I'm also it going. at the same time trying to say the most weird right. stuff so that as a way, get in on it. As a way to spoon feed, like, dude, this is absurd. Right. I'm saying one ridiculous statement after the other. Corey keeps going, man, I don't know why. And I go, Corey. 
my name's Craig Gass. I'm a stand-up comedian. He goes, no way. Are you serious? <laughs> and you hear everyone in the background laughing. He goes, what? What? And I go, yeah, I'm friends with your security guy. I'm a comedian, and I work on this show and that show. And he goes, wait a minute. Hold up. Hold up. Wait, wait, wait. You're a stand-up comedian? I go, yes, I am. I'm sorry. And he goes, no, 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 no. Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. Where are you going to be on, what's the date? Uh, May May 24, like whatever the date was. And I go, yeah. uh, May, what is that, a few months from now? Uh, I don't have anything going on. Why? And he goes, dude, you got to be on the roast. We're doing a roast of me at the Rock on the Range. And I was like. That's how you got invited to the Corey Taylor That's roast? how I got invited to the roast. I'd never met him before. I actually did meet him once at uh, that metal show uh, years ago in L.A., and he remembers talking to me at, at the that metal show, but he invites me just because I made him laugh. He says, "Dude, I'm gonna put you on this roast," and I was like, "Yeah." And then I get a phone call from uh, Danny Wimmer Presents, yeah, and they're like, "Hey, so here's the offer, and we're gonna pay for your travel and this." And I was like, "Get the fuck out of here!" And I ended up on the roast, and I roast him, and then we've been friends ever since. And by That's the way, amazing. at the roast. Um, I probably shouldn't say this somewhere where it can be heard again, but because uh, I've never said this to his face, and we become friends. We, okay. I just, I was, I called him last night uh, to talk to. He's recording a a new CMFT album right now, yeah. at the Hideaway in Vegas, and um, but at the roast, uh, I was told on the day of the roast a note that I was like, oh man, don't fucking tell me that, dude. Don't tell, like, I was told by one of the producers, like, you know you're not supposed to talk about Corey's suicide attempt. And I was like, who, who says I can't talk about it? And they're like, well, that's, you didn't know, because every roast, there is like a thing where they go, yeah, so the person we're roasting has agreed to do the roast as right. long as you don't touch these subjects. Like, with Pam Anderson, it was, you can't make any jokes about the, the child who died in their pool in their backyard. That's off limits. There was when Understood. Pam, when Pam was married to Tommy. And it was yeah, like, yeah, all yeah. right, cool. But no one said anything to me until the day of the roast. And then a producer said, Hey, you know, uh, you're not supposed to do any jokes about his suicide attempt. And I was like, I have a great joke about that. It's like, oh, yeah, you're not supposed to do it. And I, and I just said, can we just pretend like we didn't have this conversation? Can I just go in blindly and just, because this joke is really good. And I felt really good about, even knowing that he was sensitive to it, I felt really good about it. And the yeah. joke was, at the very end of my roast, I said- Now, did you actually do this joke? Right in front of him. Okay. And I I, I ended my set with it. <laughs> oh, God. I said, I go, uh, uh, I don't know how many of you know this, but uh, before Corey formed uh, Stone Sour, was- um, uh, uh, with having uh, problems. Uh, he was in Slipknot, and um, he was going through a lot of issues in life. And one night, he actually tried to kill himself. Uh, I don't know how many of you know this story. And the whole room gets totally silent. I said, uh, uh, Corey actually walked out on the ledge of a hotel uh, 30 stories up and was going to jump, and yeah. he was going to kill himself. Uh, luckily, one of his friends grabbed him, and pulled him inside. And do you know who that friend is? And saved his life. I don't know who the friend is, but I said that if that friend knew that Corey would go on to form Stone Sour, I think he would have let him jump. And that got such a big laugh, yeah. including from Corey. And I was like, all right, cool. And Corey, you know, we ended up uh, hanging out. But Corey has... Uh, 
an incredible sense of humor and um and is an incredibly grounded person and he's he's really really funny and he loves stand up comedy i'm going to be like hey we're in the middle of promoting this new slipknot record Hey, remember that time? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm uh, not a comedian to, to be able to turn that around into a funny yeah, joke. Yeah, I, I don't be. know. I mean, I've met some of his childhood friends. Um, on New Year's Eve, a few of us went out uh, to go see Tenacious D on New Year's. Yeah. Um, so there was two childhood friends of his that uh, that have this inter- interesting perspective of uh, all of them knowing each other as teenagers. And then Corey gets in a band and the whole thing right. takes off, which I think is a fascinating uh, perspective uh, to to grow up with someone who becomes famous. That's mm-hmm. I think it's really, um, you know, like there's there's two guys I know in Seattle who were best friends, absolute best friends. Uh, Mike McCready, yeah, and Pearl uh, Jam. another great musician named Rick Friel. They're both best friends, and they th- the relationship is really fascinating to me. Because when they're children, when they are um, 10, 11 years old, they both, they're neighbors, mm-hmm. they both fall in love with Kiss. Um, Mike oh, goes back to Kiss. Mike wants to be Ace Freely. Rick wants to be Gene Simmons. Both of their parents buy them instruments for Christmas. Yeah. And, um, and they both learn how to play instruments. By the time they're 12 years old, they put together a heavy metal band called Shadow, and they start playing around um, the uh, roller rinks of... uh, Apparently, there was a big roller rink underground metal scene in Seattle in the early 80s. Um, And they played around... Wait, late late 70s, early 80s? And they played in this band called Shadow. And and they just... They play together for years until Mm -hmm. they become old enough to move out on their own. And... Duff McKagan lived in their neighborhood. And Duff McKagan at some point goes, I'm going to Hollywood. I'm going to go be a rock star. And he did. He left and he became a rock star. So Mike and Rick are like, we're going to Hollywood. We're going to be rock stars. And they don't. They go to Hollywood and Hollywood kicks them right in the dick. Because when they get to Hollywood in the 90s, it's now pay to play, which was all the rock clubs were so inundated with bands that they said, if you want to perform here at the Whiskey, you want to perform at the Roxy, you got to pay us. Pay us $1,000, then we'll give you tickets. And then you can go sell these tickets and try to get your money back. A lot of that. And that spread around the country throughout the 90s and into the 2000s. A lot of clubs were doing that. Yes. And so after a few years of brutal reality in Hollywood, and they realized we're not going to be Guns N' Roses, they have to pack their shit and go back home to Seattle. And I remember Mike saying that he became so depressed that he became a Republican. He actually became that depressed that he started wearing (laughs) penny loafers and listening to Rush Limbaugh. That's how depressed he got. And and then uh, Rick... Given given Pearl Jam's lot in life as far as social, political uh, admirations go, that's really funny. It is. It's really (laughs) hilarious. I I, I really shouldn't even be telling a story, but I find it to be fascinating. Rick gets a job at a coffee place, and then Mike gets a phone call from Stone. Is it called... Starbucks? (laughs) Starbucks? <laughs> no, it's a <laughs> oh man. I would know it if I heard it. It's, oh, it's not. Okay. It's not Starbucks, but but there's a lot of coffee going on in Seattle. Yeah, and Mike uh, gets a phone call from Stone Stone Gossard, who says, "Hey, uh, 
you know, our singer just passed away. They were in a band called Mother Love Bone. Would right. you uh, would you want to get together and write some music? And he goes, yeah, man, let's get together. So they go up to uh, Stone's uh, attic at his parents' house, and they write all these songs together. And then Mike makes a really crucial decision to say, hey, we should get your friend Jeff to play bass. And Stone says, oh, man, I... I don't like that guy because <laughs> of what he did after our singer passed away. Apparently, um, Jeff made comments about their former singer after he died and just made disparaging comments about him being a drug addict. So Stone's like, I really don't want to work with him. And he's like, yeah, but you guys have chemistry. He never even considered bringing his friend Rick into this. And then, oh, no. And then... He calls up Rick and goes, hey, man, this is kind of a weird story, but uh, I started playing again. And Rick's like, oh, oh, okay, because Rick gave up on his music dreams to get a job. Right. And Mike's like, yeah, the, um, you know, Stone, we put a band together called uh, Mookie Blaylock, and we're performing at the off-ramp this weekend. Um, do you want to come see the show? And he goes, yeah, I'll come see the show. And so he invites his friend that he's been playing with for 10 years. Right. And his friend after the show is like, yeah, that, I mean, that was really cool. Like, it's, it's not metal, obviously. Right. But, like, your singer is, like, he's really intense, you know. It's a cool vibe, <laughs> you know, but it's, just, but it's not metal, you know. But, yeah, man, I, I dig it. I thought it was cool. They changed the name to Pearl Jam, and they just go, <laughs> they just fucking explode yeah. out of Seattle. And Rick is like, what the fuck, man? Like, yeah, so there's this weird dynamic, which has been settled since then. Right, because they're still really close. They're still really close, but it's such a fascinating dynamic that... I get it, though. You have this pact. I mean, you know, what kid doesn't have this pact with their friend growing up, Of especially in the musician realm or your skateboarders or whatever it is, uh, actors, com you know, whatever, uh, and one explodes and one doesn't. Dude, you want to hear about a fucked up pact? All right. And then uh, our time's going to get cut short here pretty quick. But yeah, absolutely. This is how you end a fucking podcast. Here's a <laughs> fucked up pact. I spent uh, most of the pandemic hanging out with a brilliant stand-up comedian named Carl LeBeau. Okay. Carl LeBeau was dying of cancer, uh, and it was uh, 2020, so I didn't have any place that I had to be. So I spent a lot of time with Carl before he passed. Carl LeBeau, his first day at an open mic in Houston, Texas, he signs up for an open mic. Um, there was two other people that had signed up for an open mic for the first time that same night at that same bar. Mm -hmm. Bill Hicks and Sam Kinison. They, oh, both, they both signed up to do open mic for the first time. Carl... Gee, gee, only two of the most legendary comedians in history. Uh, Carl and Sam Kinison are the only two people wearing a suit. Uh, for the open mic, and Sam goes, "Man, I like your shit, man." You know, and they go, "Yeah, well, you know, I, I grew up in a in a ministry, you know." So, and they're like, "Oh, me too," and so they bond over that, and then yeah. and they both start doing stand up comedy together. And they become really good friends, and they make a pact. Okay, the pact is, if one of us makes it in comedy, we're taking the other one with us, and they make that pact, and uh, they end up moving to Hollywood to try to make it in stand up comedy, and Sam's career explodes after getting on the Rodney Dangerfield thing, everything just gets red hot for Sam. Yeah. And he sticks to his word. He brings Carl along as his opening act for all of those tours that went all the way up to theaters and then arenas. 
Carl LeBeau is the main opening act for a group of guys that call themselves the Outlaws of Comedy. Sam Kinison with the Outlaws of Comedy. And along the way, Carl falls in love with a girl. It's a very toxic relationship. It's crazy. Oh, weird. Never been in one of those. There's uh, a lot of drugs and dysfunction. And uh, then everything ends when Sam Kinison dies. He gets in a car wreck. He dies in Carl's arms. I strongly recommend checking out that story about uh, Carl's experience of holding Sam Kinison in his arms okay. as Sam's soul passes through him. And uh, um, and then he's now going through an ugly divorce where his ex is trying to kill him for child support. And he finally is so broken that he calls her up and says, listen, I know that you are mad at me. I know that you hate me. I'm coming to you as a human being. You're, these payments are set at an income when I used to perform in arenas. I can't even get into comedy clubs anymore. I'm just asking you as a human being. I'm begging you to stop doing this to me. Can you please help me? She starts crying, and she says, I'm sorry. And he said, what are you sorry for? And she said, she's not yours. She's Sam's. And he finds out in that oh moment my God. that this child, I'm going to show you this picture that Carl sent me. Okay. Here's Carl LeBeau. Uh-huh. Here's his daughter. This child, I'm going to zoom in. Oh, my God, that is so Sam Kinison's kid. It is Sam Kinison's kid. And the girl that he was raising as his own, yeah. he finds out a few years after his best friend dies that his best friend had an affair with his wife and that the kid he was raising was actually Sam Kinison's kid. Oh, my God. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, a crazy thing happens. The picture I just showed you is when she turned 18, uh-huh. she goes looking for Carl. And Carl's performing at a comedy club in Long Island, and she goes, uh, like they go, uh, this girl walks up, are you Carl? And he goes, yeah. And she says, um. Yeah. And he goes, what? And they go, please welcome Carl LeBeau. And he's like, can you stay? I want to talk to you. And he gets up on stage, and he does his set, and then he comes off, and he hangs out with her. Like He does his set. after That's incredible. Yes. By and himself. He spends the whole weekend with her, mm-hmm. um, spending time with her. And then at the end of the weekend, this girl goes you're nothing like what my mom says you are. You're really nice and, and people clearly love you. And, um, um, can you tell me what my real dad was like? And he now has to put aside (laughs) all of his feelings about his best friend having sex with his wife and producing a child with her. To tell this girl what she deserves to hear about her, about her father, and tell her the nice qualities that her father had. Wow! Yeah, dude, it's intense. That is intense. It is really intense. More stories like this on Sad Time with Craig Gas. Sad Time. With sad Craig. Time. That's going to be Gass. the uh, that's the new podcast that Craig and I are starting. Yeah. Sad Time. Uh, with Craig Gas. Welcome to another episode of What the Fuck. <laughs> I think that I think that one's taken. Yeah, is it? <laughs> Another episode of What the Fuck with Craig Gas. 
Guess who's raising? You haven't met on that one. To be crazy honest. things that have happened. <laughs> Guess whose child is not their child? The fuck? <laughs> Next week on what the fuck with Craig Gass? <laughs> what happened to Maury Povich's show idea? Yeah, well, exactly. It's now a podcast of Craig exactly. Gass. Uh, Craig, this has been fantastic, man. Thank you very much. Listen, the uh, so going back to music. Uh, what has been the number one rock song for the last, I don't know, two months since it came out, basically, is Metallica's Lux Eterna. Yeah. So I'm going to play that song, obviously, to round out the Cutting Edge Countdown. Uh, that's been a big talk. 72 seasons going to be out April 14th. You do a great Lars Ulrich. Fucking, hey, what what is the point of 72 seasons? Have they explained that? No. I don't know either. <laughs> no. Well, there's something about it. That's how long, is that how long James was sober? There's oh, something. Wow. There's something. Well, that's 18 to, years if you divide 72 right. by so four. So that's something to that. I think it's from when James was sober to when he relapsed, or something. Wow. And I don't want to quote that wrong. Wow, that's intense. Because I've already pissed off enough people in this industry. I'm sure of it. Uh, oh, I'm pissing off everybody else with this one. Well, so Good, telling see? everybody stories here. But uh, <laughs> uh, 72 seasons. Um, um. Yeah, I know that's 18 years. So I, I, I haven't heard that it was related to his sobriety, but uh, um, I do. And it could have. Listen, I mean, I, I'm sure the, the fact that that's in my brain means I read it on the internet somewhere. Yeah. So who the fuck knows? Yeah. All right. But legendary band going out and doing something that no one has ever done before with the stadium shows they're going to be doing for the oh next my God. two years. I bought my tickets. Years. I bought my tickets flat out. Which shows are you going to? What city? Chicago. Okay. Um. I. Think that's there's a chance I might still end up going to uh, St. Louis, but really uh, Chicago for sure. As I live in Wisconsin in the Midwest, so and is Chicago going to be at uh, where the Bears Soldier play? Field. at Soldier Field? Yeah, okay. with obviously you know you got Pantera and uh, Five Finger Death Punch one night. Yep, or Five no, no, Finger no, Death no. Punch it's, and Ice Nine Kill. Wait, first it, it's Pantera and somebody else, then Five Finger Death Punch and somebody else. Yeah, Ice Nine. It's Pantera Mammoth WVH. Oh yeah, that's right. Frank Sidoris, everybody. Frank Sidoris Jr. <laughs> on guitar for uh, for Wolfie. The, That's right. The beloved son of Las Vegas. Everybody loves Frank Sidoris Jr. Um, and then Chris Kale in uh, Five Finger Death Punch. Um, Chris, another, Chris is the best. Chris rules. He, uh, I did a, a video at some festival that I filmed. I was uh, performing at the Rock on the Range and yeah. got all... That's where we met. Yeah. Uh, I, I did a thing where I got all the musicians to give me advice about how to perform at a rock festival. Uh, all the advice I got, great advice if yeah. you're in a band. Terrible <laughs> advice for a comedian. <laughs> that does not surprise like, me. You know, yeah. Uh, Randy from uh, Lamb of God said, uh, he goes, you need to get on stage and just set the record straight and go, listen, motherfuckers, listen to me. If you don't fucking get into this, we're going to burn this place down. And I, I'm, I'm laughing and I, and I said, we, we cut, and I said, do you mind throwing in? I got an idea. I don't know if you're okay with this. Do you mind saying, but you don't want anybody to get hurt? And he goes, yeah, I'll do that. And my friend who was filming, his jaw dropped because Randy was in prison yes, yes. for someone getting hurt at his show and dying. And and so he did it, and he was like, he goes, but you don't want anybody to get hurt. And I go, how come? And he goes, just Trust me. <laughs> and he did it. He did it on camera. And I was like, oh, you are the Randy. best, Randy. You Randy's are the good dude. best. Yeah. Yeah. You've performed at uh, at many music festivals. Yes. Uh, and I've opened for a lot of bands. Opened for uh, Metallica, System of a Down. And yep. Just to name a couple. System, Motley Crue. There's video of me opening for Motley on uh, YouTube where I'm lying to the audience. 
Is this the one where you're uh, basically telling everybody to recording the live album? Is that yes? Is that that one? I have other comedian friends who've opened for rock bands. Not many of us who've right. opened for big rock bands. Yeah, it's you and Brewer are the only two people I can t- think of. I'll talk about to be honest. Brian Posehn. Uh, Brian Posehn, Jim Florentine. Yeah. Don Jameson. And these are all metal guys. I mean, these, these are, are all, all metal guys. guys. Yeah. And we all have ways of cheating. Um, Jim Florentine's cheat is he says, I'll just bring out a bunch of T-shirts. And then if it's not going well, I'll be like, all right, who wants a T-shirt? And be like, yeah! And I'll start throwing <laughs> out T-shirts. Dude, it's true. Yeah, yeah. You know how many concerts I've hosted? If you just bring out the T-shirts, yep. oh, they're like, oh, yeah, exactly. good church, you asshole. Like, you know, they're all like, yeah. And my cheat was, and I and it just came out of fear when I opened for Metallica. I get in the building, I'm looking around, I'm like, oh my God, everyone here is on Coke. What am I doing? <laughs> why did I volunteer for this? This is the dumbest thing I've ever done. Like, why am I going to? And then I just realized, you know what? I'm not going to say, hey, I'm a comedian. Here's some jokes. I walked out on stage and said, good evening. My name is Craig Gass and I am Metallica Sound Man. Everyone went, ah, the band has some very important announcements. Ah, and everything I said was incredible news for the audience. And right. all of it was bullshit. And it was just <laughs> to get them to listen. I just started making that. I go, you may have heard some rumors, and it's true. Metallica is recording our first ever live album right here tonight. <sighs> so I need your attention. I need your attention. There's a proper way to yell on a live album, so we need to rehearse this. And every instruction I gave them was so fucking stupid and they followed every instruction I gave them. That's amazing. And I kept filling in with jokes and then I got away with 15 minutes and I finally said, I'm actually a comedian. Have fun with Metallica. And most people didn't catch that part. They're like, man, this guy's like, I I always notice when I open for other artists, if I know the people like uh, Corey or the Struts, they'll tell me that they're getting text messages during my set going, dude, your sound man is fucking hilarious. (laughs) I love this guy. (laughs) Fuck yeah, this guy rules. Yeah. Oh, man. And they buy it. And that's. I, that's the only way I can get away with it because I know if I go out on stage and like Lars Ulrich wanted when I opened for Metallica, Lars is like, dude, I'll just walk out on stage and I'll say, hey, oh, uh, Metallica's about to kick your ass in about 15, 20 minutes. But first, I'm going to bring out a good friend of mine who's going to tell you some jokes. And I was like, are you fucking crazy? I'm going to get <laughs> murdered for that. What the fuck? And he goes, well, dude. So Lars Ulrich was basically the teenage daughter's dad, but you were the teenage daughter. Yes. Yeah. And he was trying to help me. And I was like, I'm like, that's not going to work, dude. And he goes, dude, you're overthinking it. It's just rock and roll. And I said, it's not rock and roll for me. It's stand-up comedy. Like, you're rock and roll. I'm stand-up comedy. And I said, just give me the mic and don't say anything. Because if they say, I just know if you say, get ready for stand-up comedy at a Metallica concert, Mm -hmm. I'm fucking murdered. Because... I don't even want to see that. If I go see Metallica, fucking bring out Metallica. I don't want to see a stand-up comedian. So I knew the only way I was going to get away with this was trickery. Oh, uh, but for you, Craig Gass, I'd want to see you. Well, it's very kind of you. It's but- uh, Craig Gass Comedy on social media, website. Yes. Uh, the website is getgas.com. Get Gas with two S's dot com. Craig Gass, dude, thank you for doing this, man. Dude, I much appreciate it. that was awesome. Cutter's Rockcast. Don't forget to tune in. Exactly. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.